The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Do you like a mystery? Today I want to explore with you the fascinating City of David in Jerusalem where archaeology is bringing this Bible to life. And we'll also take a look at a provocative new theory that speculates that the ancient Jewish temples were actually located in the City of David and not on the world's most controversial parcel of real estate known to us today as the Temple Mount. Hello, I'm Christine Darg. If you go to Jerusalem today, you'll undoubtedly visit the Western Wall, also known for many centuries as the Wailing Wall. It's where Jews have cried and prayed and believed God for the restoration of His glory and the rebuilding of the Third Temple, a house of prayer for all nations. The Western Wall is composed of large stones that were believed to be part of the retaining wall of Herod's temple. It's customary to leave a handwritten prayer in the cracks of these massive stones. Over the years, I've put many prayers inside these stones for myself and for others. And when the crevices become too full, the prayers fall to the ground, but these are carefully and reverentially gathered and buried by people who worked there at the Western Wall, rather than being thrown away. In recent years, tensions have greatly increased around the Temple Mount as Muslims have become more possessive of this prime real estate. What's known as the Temple Mount today contains the famous Golden Dome of the Rock, which is a shrine, and also a mosque known as the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Jewish people have become increasingly frustrated that they're not allowed to pray on top of this highly contested area known as the Holy Temple Mount. And this after waiting nearly 2,000 years to return to their ancient capital. So a number of movements such as the Temple Mount Faithful and an organization known as the Temple Institute want and plan to build a third temple. I took this photograph in the Jewish quarter of the old city showing the area with the Dome of the Rock and another poster with the third temple superimposed instead. This is of course highly controversial and potentially inflammatory. But what if the former two holy temples were not located in the rectangular space known today as the Temple Mount? What if the two Jewish temples were in fact located just to the south in the nearby City of David? If that were the case, then the Israelis could have already built their third temple yesterday. The author of a new book maintains that the greatest archaeological blunder in history is to assume that the Jewish temples stood on the rectangular area that the Arabs call the Haram al-Sharif, in English the Noble Sanctuary, or the so-called Temple Mount, 
The Bible in several places states that both the Temple of Solomon and the temple built after the Babylonian exile were erected in the city of David or in biblical Zion, which is a smaller 12-acre area, slightly lower than the area known as the Temple Mount today. The city of David is continually being excavated in what's called the City of David Jerusalem Walls National Park. But the City of David is actually located just outside the old city walls of Jerusalem, specifically outside of what today is called the Dung Gate. And so the City of David is about 600 feet to the south of the area known as the Temple Mount. The author of this new book, Robert Konuk, styles himself as a biblical archaeologist. Cornuke runs an organization called the Bible Archaeology Search and Exploration Institute, or BASE, in Colorado in the United States. Cornuke has been on a number of archaeological adventures, including searching for Noah's Ark with former astronaut to the moon, Jim Irwin. Cornuke has also searched for the ancient Ark of the Covenant, along with Bible teacher Chuck Missler. Cornuke styles himself in his videos colorfully as a Christian Indiana Jones. Actually, although critics say he's not a proper archaeologist, Cornuke is an FBI-trained crime scene investigator. He's been trained to know how to look for evidence, and he's spent years searching for prominent places that are mentioned in the Bible. A few years ago, following strictly biblical references, Bob Cornuk found striking evidence for an alternative to Mount Sinai. For centuries, people have thought that the mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments was in what is today Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. The site is marked by the ancient St. Catherine's Monastery. I've been there, as have countless pilgrims. But Cornuk and others maintain that Mount Sinai is in Saudi Arabia, where there's a much more plausible mountain. The top part of the Saudi mountain is charred and burned at the top, and it's encircled by 12 stone altars at the base of the mountain, 12 presumably representing the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 encampments of the tribes in the wilderness. Cornuke's account is chronicled in his book, The Search for the Real Mount Sinai. He's also written a book about the shipwreck of the Apostle Paul off the coast of Malta, and he claims to have found the anchor of the very ship that Paul and the crew abandoned in a storm. Well, it's all very provocative, but interesting. His ideas about the temple location are not original. In fact, Cornu credits the revolutionary work of the late archaeologist and author, Dr. Ernest L. Martin, someone in whose family I came across a number of years ago in Israel, but he died in the year 2002. Dr. Martin was an originator of the theory that the Bible points away from what's known as the Temple Mount, as the site of Israel's two great temples. Martin wrote his own book, and it was called The Temples That Jerusalem Forgot. Martin first visited Jerusalem in 1961, 
and he met a famous pioneering Israeli historian named Benjamin Mazar, who's recognized as the Dean of Biblical Archaeologists. Martin later met Mazar's son, Ori, whom Martin claimed believed that both the temples of Solomon and Zerubbabel were located on a mound to the north of the original Mount Zion on the southeast ridge called the Ophel. Ori Mazar reportedly informed Dr. Martin that his father Benjamin had also inclined to this belief about the temples before his death. So Martin did his research and he read the account of a Jewish man named Eleazar who was mentioned by the famous historian Josephus. Eleazar led the final contingent of Jewish resistance to the Romans at the famous fortress called Masada. Eleazar had stated that a Roman military fortress was the only structure that still remained in Jerusalem by the year 73 after the Romans had sacked and burned the city. So with this key in mind, in 1997, Martin came to the conclusion that all the temples were indeed located on the Ophel Mound over the area of the biblical Gihon Spring in the city of David. You see, the Gihon Spring is where the pre-temple tabernacle of David had been pitched. And the Gihon Spring is where Solomon was anointed king of Israel, according to the Bible. And what would that verse have been? Well, there had been an insurrection in David's household. So the Lord's anointed, the Lord's choice for king, Solomon, had quickly to be anointed as king. And so let's look at the record in 1 Kings chapter 1 and verses 38 to 39. It reads, So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah and the son of Jehodah, the Cherahites and the Pelethites, went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule, and they took him to the Gihon. Notice the direction that they were going. It says that they went down, not up toward what we think of as the Temple Mount today, but they went down to the Gihon Spring. There's one thing that doesn't change in the Holy Land, and that springs and wells. You might not be able to prove a lot of places, but wells and springs are much easier to identify and find, like David's wells in Bethlehem and Jacob's wells, for example, and the Gihon Spring has not moved as well. To continue in our passage from 1 Kings, it says that Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and he anointed Solomon. And so this plainly tells us that the tabernacle of David was located at the Gihon Spring. The Bible is actually saying in these verses that Solomon was taken down to the Gihon Spring in the city of David. And at that very spot, Zadok the priest enters the tabernacle that held the Ark of the Covenant and he fetches the sacred oil to anoint Solomon king. So the tabernacle of David with the holy ark of the covenant was pitched at the Gihon Spring in the city of David at Zion. This is a major clue about ground zero, so to speak.
This event happened at the same Gihon Spring where David set the tabernacle. I want to emphasize that. Most likely, that was close to the threshing floor area that David had purchased. And it's for this reason and because of that location that in the year 2001, our ministry held a Tabernacle of David celebration at the Gihon Spring because it was the authentic biblical location. We held a day of worship beginning with the blowing of silver trumpets like the trumpets fashioned for temple worship. We enjoyed the playing of Davidic harps that had just been recreated within the city of David, and we enjoyed Davidic style dancing, praise, and worship. It was a prophetic summons to believe God for the fulfillment of all the end-time prophecies concerning the rebuilding of the third temple and other events to come. And we're not unaware that the third temple will tragically be desecrated by the man of sin, known also as the Antichrist or the Anti-Messiah, according to the prophecy of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. This is a very disturbing prophecy found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4, but we have to contend with it. And I ask my Jewish friends to consider it very seriously because it's something in the future. Paul prophesied in that passage. He said, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For the day of the Lord will not come unless first the apostasy happens and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition, who will oppose and exalt himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he will take his seat in the very temple of God, displaying himself, Paul said, as being God, an imposter. This prophecy, no doubt, will be fulfilled. However, believers in our generation are also preparing the way for the return of King Messiah, who will be worshipped on God's holy hill and who will be given the throne of his father, David. These are also vital Bible prophecies that are still unfulfilled. And Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, will fulfill them. Only God knows, of course, the exact location of the temple, but I believe you and I are being encouraged by prophetic archaeological events to watch this space and to be open to whatever God chooses to do. Well, the Gihon Spring is the only natural water source big enough to wash away the massive amounts of blood from temple animal sacrifices. And there's no such water supply up on the area known today as the Temple Mount. Dr. Ernest Martin's book asserted that the temples of Jerusalem were located over the Gihon Spring and not over the area known today as the Dome of the Rock. I want to read to you what Martin wrote in his book. He said, what has been amazing to me is the vast amount of Jewish, Muslim, and Christian records that remain available from the first to the 16th centuries that clearly vindicate the conclusions that I have reached in his research. And Bob Cornuke's more recent book has far greater potential to stir up Temple Mount debates. 
Cornuk said he accompanied Ellie Shukran, director of excavations at the City of David, through recently discovered passages that have been buried for centuries. And the case for possibly the temple being in this area is quite intriguing, to say the least. If several Jewish historians are correct that priests ritually washed in the Gihon Spring before entering the temple, Karnuk asks, why would they then walk almost a quarter of a mile to the traditional Temple Mount site? Karnuk argues that the city of David is the area of the ancient threshing floor, which King David purchased from Ornan the Jebusite after David and his men defeated the Jebusites and occupied the city. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1 clearly states that David's son Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Cornuk additionally explains that the massive structure on the Temple Mount over which the Dome of the Rock was built bears the shape and the hallmarks of a Roman military fortress, not a Jewish temple. You see, in Herod's time, an entire Roman legion was housed in Jerusalem, which meant fortifying a base for up to 6,000 soldiers and support personnel, making it up, he says, to 10,000 people. Cornuke concludes that the Wailing Wall was part of the Roman fortress, not Herod's temple. Meanwhile, it's very precious to walk on the excavated pavements in the city of David where Jesus walked and to visit the excavated pool of Siloam where Jesus told a blind man to wash and be healed. That's in John chapter 9. Now in 70 AD, the temple was completely eradicated by the Romans. And this fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, that not one stone would be standing upon another at the Temple Mount. Cornuke explains that over the subsequent next 300 years, people no longer were sure of the correct location of the temple. And so other sites were proposed, including the area known as the Temple Mount today. In fact, he says that historian Josephus wrote that the entirety of the temple was indeed in total ruin and destruction after 70 AD. The foundation walls of what we call today the traditional Temple Mount would not have been included in the destruction of Jerusalem because the Antonia Fortress, of course, was Roman-owned and Roman-occupied. That's why Cornuke strongly believes that the high stone walls where Jews pray, called the Western Wall, are in fact the remnants from the former fort that was occupied by the 10th Legion. This would mean that Jesus was undoubtedly correct in his prophetic words and that every stone of the temple and its complex were cast down from what was known in Jesus' day as Herod's temple because the second temple had been renovated by King Herod. Cornuke believes that archaeologists have not uncovered the location of the Roman Antonia Fort because it is, in fact, 
staring us right in the face. It is, he says, the huge Temple Mount complex and the Temple Mount tradition has unfortunately, he says, concealed the garrison from historical notice. Now I want to read also what Cornuke wrote at his website about this. He said, Herod's temple was destroyed just as Jesus predicted down to the very last stone. Since the temple was reduced to rubble in 70 AD, the city of David was then lost. For almost two millennia, Zion and the city of David were lost until explorers came to Jerusalem with a pick in one hand and a Bible in the other. These explorers found the forgotten city with its ancient gurgling Gihon Spring. This hidden subterranean world would cry out that the city of David has been found and Zion was once more known. It's also interesting that the Crusader Knights who captured Jerusalem in 1099 set up their own stronghold in defenses right on top of the Temple Mount, taking advantage of the natural military advantages that the Roman soldiers would have had a thousand years earlier. Well, the Jewish people are very concerned at the moment about priceless temple treasures and clues being potentially lost because Muslims are excavating under the area known today as the Temple Mount. And their fear is that priceless artifacts are being lost, thrown out, destroyed. But meanwhile, could it be that God has been guarding and hiding the real temple location? Has he been holding it back, as it were? What remains hidden and what might soon be uncovered in the city of David? Already a golden bell, believed to have been part of the holy garments of the Levitical high priest, has been discovered. Also found in the city of David are markers concerning the purity of temple worship items. The implications of these findings are profound. For copyright reasons, I can't show you a photograph of the golden bell that was found by archaeologists in the city of David. And that could have been attached to the hem of the garment of the temple high priest. However, I took this photograph of a piece of jewelry in the souvenir shop at the city of David. It's a necklace of bells made as reproductions of the tiny golden bell that was discovered. Yes, Sifting through debris in the drainage canal of the city of David, archaeologists found a wealth of artifacts, including that golden bell ornament, like those described in the Bible, adorning the robe of the high priest. The actual bell that was found still rings. The passage about the golden bells on the garment of the high priest is found in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 35, which says, and it, that is the robe with the golden bells, shall be on Aaron, the high priest, when he ministers. And its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out, so that he does not die. Why would that be? This sound of the golden bells ringing shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out. This was to give notice to the other priests to depart because the high priest was to go inside the Holy of Holies. And it was a very solemn duty. 
Anyone who intruded on this office would be killed by the Lord's holy fire. And the priests served barefoot in the sanctuary, so a holy hush was regularly observed. Only the sound of the bells could be heard. These bells and the high priest's crown were both made of pure gold. That passage in Exodus 28 mentions that a golden bell and alternatively a pomegranate shall be on the bottom around the robe, bells and pomegranates, and the crown shall be made of pure gold. Well, who knows what's going to be found? I do expect many more intriguing discoveries to come forth from the city of David and from all over Israel, for a matter of fact. And we will continue to report on these findings. Meanwhile, I want to thank you for spending time with me discussing some of the exploits of biblical archaeologists today. The ongoing discoveries in the ancient city of David give us yet another clue and cue that Jesus is coming back very soon. The fulfillment of all these things is at hand. But my question to you is, we bring this program to a conclusion. It's a very important question. Are you ready for the second coming of the Lord? I want you to be ready. That's why we take time to share with you as an evangelist of the empty tomb here in Jerusalem. Yes, Jesus' tomb is empty because he's risen. And right now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. But he will be returning soon to rule and to reign from Jerusalem. And this city will become the worship capital, not only of Israel, but of the entire world. So do you know how to have your sins forgiven so that you can be ready and not ashamed when the Lord returns? Today we don't have a temple where sacrifices can be made for sins, but the final sacrifice for sin was made at Passover nearly 2,000 years ago here in Jerusalem. Jesus, the Lamb of God, died for us. The ABCs of the gospel are very simple. A, admit to God that you're a sinner, and all of us, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe that God sent His Son, Jesus, to pay for your sin, a price that you can't pay. Believe that Jesus died and rose again victorious, defeating death in the grave. And even now, he sits at God's right hand, making intercession for us. His blood covers us and makes us clean before God. The C of the ABCs of the gospel is call on Jesus' holy name and confess that he's Lord. The Bible says confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And then the Bible says when you say from all of your heart, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So I say to now, now, and I want you to confess with me, I do believe in my heart that Jesus, you died for my sins according to the scriptures and that you were raised from the dead according to the scriptures. And I'm not ashamed to confess you as Lord. I'm sure you have your own thoughts about the fascinating subject of the Holy Temple and where and when it will be built I'd love to hear from you by social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can watch this program again, or many of our other programs by going to our website anytime at exploits.tv. 
And so until next time, urging you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and watching on the walls of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom. Since we started the Jerusalem Channel less than two years ago, the word has certainly spread far and wide. Acts 1.8 is our ministry mandate. First in Jerusalem, then to Judea and Samaria, and on to the ends of the earth. Over the internet, we have a global audience that wants to know the Word of God and to better understand in time events. As you can see from this analysis, people from many nations are joining us for these exploits programs. But each time someone views the channel, the video streaming costs are a real expense. It's much cheaper than satellite TV, but we still need to produce and stream these broadcasts. That's why I would urge you to help us. You can call us in the United States at our toll-free number, 888-245-2692, or in the United Kingdom at our national number, 0843 557 4077. With a credit or debit card, you can also click the donate button on our website. Thank you for being a part of the Jerusalem Channel's mandate. As Daniel 11:32 proclaims, those who know God will be strong and do exploits. Please keep us and Exploits TV, the Jerusalem Channel in your prayers so that we can reach the world through the internet and by YouTube, Roku, and Google TV.